Hello, players who actively try to sabotage their DM at every opportunity. And DMs who planned an entire campaign just to have one rogue fuck it all up. Welcome back to Table Talk. What's today's theme, Robert? That's Madison Conway. Oh my god. She did it again. Today's theme it is like world building. It's, it's not genuinely a bit. not. She just it's, keeps forgetting I, to introduce us. I forgot to take my meds this morning. Ooh, fun! All so about I'm world building. On that. All about world building. All about world building. Starting a game. So today's going to be a little bit me heavy. Uh, Madison might take a couple Ooh. of breaks and eat a sandwich. So if she dips out for a second while I go on a tangent, please don't hate me. Um, yeah, there's kind of a, a lot of different places to start. I think, for one, getting the people together is kind of something that we talked about last time and how difficult that can be. So let's say that you've gotten, you've made it to step one. You've found a group of people that are actually willing, committed, and have the time to play. Which is already a significant, like, don't underestimate that. That's impressive. Yeah, no, it truly is. And then we were we were going to do character creation initially because usually that's kind of where it starts, but we're waiting for video equipment that hopefully somebody will eventually get or we'll bring our own. But we're going to go to the next step then and talk about the world building, so the DM side of things. Um, just starting from point blank as a DM, for one, talk to your players is kind of where I would start. So when I started my started DMing my first campaign. It was literally just a conversation with everybody that I knew was interested. And I did, like, polls to figure out, okay, are we interested in steampunk? Are we interested in high fantasy, sci-fi, mm. cyberpunk? Um, we ended up going with kind of, like, none of the above. Yeah, we kind of picked a little bit of it all, which I guess was yeah. kind of on my end. Um, it was fun. Yeah, I think first campaign is somebody who had ADHD and wanted to hit every place but not be locked down to one. I just made a campaign where you could literally go wherever you wanted. And I could switch it up forcibly if I needed to. Um, but yeah, like talk to your players, figure out what you want to do. Also, don't be afraid to come in with ideas. Like if you've been writing this setting and this story in this world for years, and this is your first chance to like DM, pitch it to your players. See if they want to do it. Try and convince them. Do your best. But if they don't want to do the story or if they don't want to participate in your world, don't force them to because yeah. they're not going to like it. That was a point Madison brought up, not just... Uh, not too long ago when we were writing out points for this is like talk to your dm about what you're interested in doing and what story you're interested in playing yes. because if you're not invested and you're not in the world it's going to be boring for you and everybody else there yeah it, it'll start feeling like a chore and it'll be one of those things where like there's moments at the table if you've ever played at the table where like someone is going through their own like story beat and stuff and you could see everyone else is like kind of checked out I think if you make a more engaging world that like people are people want to be in and people like to be involved in, you're gonna have more involvement from people um, around the table the whole time um, because it's a story that they want to tell and it's a story they feel involved in. Um, and like if there's something from a player's perspective that you really want to play or like you really really you've been like dying to play in like a film noir setting because mm -hmm. um, I've been watching Mentopolis, yeah, so shout out to Mentopolis on the forefront of my brain yeah, yeah. Um, if you really want to play in that setting tell your DM mm -hmm. because you're never going to get to do the things if you don't like yeah. verbalize that you want to do them and it's such a struggle too because you have DMs that come in with like oh, I've been writing this setting forever I have my own source book I've made maps I have NPCs stat blocks voices like 
Dune levels of backstory with random shit, and then your players have zero fucking interest in a setting like that, yeah. and you just kind of have to accept that, like, it's just not what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, but I like, I like the point you made about, like, I, and I see it happen almost every session, because there are some people that just get more checked out than others. It's not their fault. They have <laughs> we disorders. Play it. <laughs> we have, a, it's a table full of people with ADHD and then one normal guy. Yeah. Um, well, two people with autism. Yeah. <laughs> three people with ADHD. One person who's neurotypical, but still has OCD. Yeah. Um, so it's like, an, it's just interesting. we table. all get checked out at different points. People yeah. will pull out their phones, they'll browse, whatever. And it's really difficult um to do but like i guess my pro tip right as a dm that's done it a few times now whenever you're you're doing individual story points with a, with a particular character try and make sure that their story points also overlap or overline or provide information for somebody else's too mm-hmm. like you can't just write a story or a world where your four to five players each have their own individual story points and then they're just supposed to naturally because magic like work their way into each other. Yeah. No. Like right right like if you're if you have one character motivation who's like they really care about kids or they really care about like um I don't know like books or like their parents raised them in like this laboratory mm-hmm. and like they have like a special thing in their heart for like labs and science. Then when you're like info dumping because that's what you have to do yeah. to get people introduced to the world for another player, drop some shit in there about how like oh their parents like run the best laboratory or the laboratory, whatever the fuck you want to call it, like, in the high fantasy city. And, like, you have the keys to the da-da-da-da-da. Or, like, just mix and match it so that everyone is actively engaged and watching whenever you're just info dumping. Because session one, for a lot of players, is really boring when it's not their turn because you very much have to, like, tee them up for them to then, Mm -hmm. like, continue the rest of the session. But if you do it in a way where everybody is interested and engaged uh, and everyone's story points overlaps and everyone's like got their ears turned up a little bit just so that they can hear what you're talking about. And I'm someone who like, I love session one. Session one is always one of my favorites to play because I love, I love world building. Um, Like I'm, my intro today was almost players who are constantly pestering their DMs for like world building information. That's me. Um, 100%. (laughs) To a, I'm sure it is a bothersome point at times. Um, But I think that as a player and someone who's like interested in world building and I think that knowing a bit of like the world building in the world you're playing it is so helpful for a player like I cannot mm. like kind of overemphasize that enough. Yeah. Um in session 1 because you're hearing these tidbits and these worlds from these other characters, mm-hmm. you get to learn more about the world that you're yeah, living in 100%. and that makes your character feel more grounded if you know, okay, maybe I'm not rich and yeah. I'm hearing the the intro this of like a rich, rich character. Though. Yeah. But, like, then I get to know what the rich people are like. Mm-hmm. And I know how to be like, oh, these motherfuckers with their goddamn flying cars. I yep. didn't know they were flying cars until 20 seconds ago. And that's, that's so player. important when you're playing in a setting where everybody's supposed to be from the same place. And they're yeah. supposed to have been there for years. Like, I feel like the traditional fantasy stereotype is that they're all lone adventurers that manage mm-hmm. to find themselves, like, cobbled together because of a fetch quest or a destiny. Which or can be a, fun. Found which family can be really is great. Fun. But when you have characters that are all supposed to be from the same place and all from the same world, they need to know what they're talking about or yeah. at least be able to bullshit their way through it enough that you're like, okay, that's lore now. That's fine with me. Like, yeah. And that's it's kind of something that I've started doing more now, specifically with this new campaign, mostly because of Madison. Like, It really just pays off for your players to know at least a little bit about your world going into yeah. it. So that way 
they can talk to each other like they've actually lived there for a long time. Yeah. Like every character in this new setting that I've made has lived there for at least a few years. Um, either has grown up there or has moved there or was raised there. And so everyone has to know a little bit about the city and like yeah. the part of the city that they're from. We have two characters that, for instance, that share like kind of residency in the same neighborhood, but their mm. perspectives are very different. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so the information that I'm giving one character who lives on like the more like family business, like really knows like the criminal underbelly, but still is trying to like stay out of trouble. The information I've given him about his neighborhood and the world he lives in is very different from the information I've given to Madison, where she's like a college student staying in an apartment because it's the cheapest she can find and she's trying to work through college. Like, yes, they know the same neighborhood. They know it by name, but their views on the heroes that live in that neighborhood and the people and the crime, they're very different. But yeah. they knew that going into session one. And you get to know also, like, where do their, where do those characters' paths cross? Yeah. Um, you know, like, there was uh, there was an NPC. He was, like, he's kind of like a con man, and he's, like, everybody mm -hmm. in town knows him. Yeah. I didn't know that before going into this. And then I can listen during another character's introduction and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make up that he sold her, like, a fake Rolex or something. Yeah, 100%. Because, like, it's fun to have those little crossovers. It's yeah. fun for your characters to find little ways that they that they connect and that they cross over. Yeah, and that's, another. I guess, another point to that. Um, don't, <laughs> please don't, please, please, please don't. If you're an experienced, like, character creator, right, you're an experienced player, <laughs> I'm all for you making your character, like, months in advance. Like, say I've just, all you know is the setting... And, like, maybe the power system, whether it's 5e, 3 kids on bikes, whatever. If you come to me with a full character sheet already done, that's okay. Do not world build <laughs> in a world that you haven't written <laughs> or even talked to me about and then, yeah. like, start inserting lore into the universe. If you want to talk to me about your backstory and it's like, okay, um, I'm from, like, a rich family. This is their last name. Maybe they're involved in politics. Uh, maybe this person is here, maybe, like, my family is related to this, or there was this big fight. If you pitch it like that, I'm all for stamping that in place. Yeah. Like, yes, 100%. I love that idea. I love that, like, you as a character could be connected to, like, the upper part of society and that another player at the table is connected to lower because it makes a fun dynamic. But don't just tell me that's what's going to happen because I promise you it's not going to happen. Yeah. And it... I'm someone who, like, I, character creation and, like, making characters is my, like, strength. That is, like, what I do pretty yeah. much full time. Um, I have lists and lists of, like, characters that I've made into PCs that I don't think I'm ever going to play in campaigns simply because I've written so much of their backstory and yeah. I'm so attached to them now. Mm. But it would be I, – I don't think it would be fair to come to a DM and be like, hey, here's my really detailed backstory of things that you need to then – right into yeah. the you world you have to roll them in it's required like because my character doesn't work like, why otherwise. don't you just be the fucking dm then right yeah. like, why don't you just be the dm why don't you make your own npc that you role play that has, like at that point you're not a player you're asking to be like a co-dm yeah you know? or you're like trying to create a world that is solely for you mm -hmm. and i think that yeah you don't be selfish tangent don't be selfish don't, at the table you're not the main player. character and if Which, you can, we're going to talk about that more yeah. in other like episodes and stuff, mm -hmm. but you're not yeah. the main character. Yeah, don't you be can... that guy. And see, that's that's the, really the struggle I think as a DM and as a player is that as a player you want to feel like the main character, right? Like the whole idea is that you're role playing this character that you've spent potentially hours, maybe days. Some people spend weeks, years, months, years creating these characters, growing attached to them. And so when you finally get to sit down with them at a table, you're like you're you're itching for some interaction, right? Yeah. Like you want that character to have the spotlight the whole session. 
But if you're playing with more than just yourself and the DM, which I would hope you are, um, that's not the case. Like your attention, the attention at the table has to be split between yeah. multiple different people. Um, but it, as a DM, I think too, it's it's really difficult. Like I know I've gravitated more towards certain characters as a DM in terms of giving them story points more than mm-hmm. others. Not because I didn't like the players or not because I didn't like the concept of the PCs, just because those players put themselves out there more and grabbed more of the story and really like role played and try to bring it in. Um, and then there are other players that are just kind of like there and they're enjoying being at the table and that's fine too. But don't play favorites. Please, 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 as a DM, try and stretch your attention out among multiple characters to give them all their main character moment. You yeah. Know? I'll say you're not the main character because everyone is the main yeah. character. And it's I like think a movie. It's very much yeah. like a movie with multiple protagonists. Yeah. So like you could, from your perspective, when you're like telling your friends or like trying to ramble on to someone who doesn't play D&D about your D&D campaign, you're like, no, 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 no. wait, listen. No, the story's actually so easy to understand. And no. it's actually about this. And we've it's all not. had that conversation. Yeah. And then you, like, start telling from your perspective. And, like, as someone who I note-take mm-hmm. obsessively, almost all of my notes follow my character and, like, yeah. follow my thing just because that is my personal perspective. And I also like to take notes on what my character knows mm-hmm. versus doesn't know because I don't actually know the name of so-and-such's yeah. grandmother. And you see those moments happen on Real Plays all the time where yeah. it's, like, two people, two characters, or two PCs will be in, like, a completely different conversation removed from another PC. And, like, they're talking to the DM, right, to ask questions or they're asking an NPC. And then, like, that third PC would just be like, yeah, so, like, I say this. And then everyone stops and goes, you're there? Yeah. Or you know that, you know? Like, the taking notes thing isn't for everybody. But also try and pay attention to what your character should and should not know. It makes for for a lot more intriguing role play. Um, If you can – and it's really hard to not push for that, too. Um, Like – if, because everyone's in the same room, right? Like yeah. if two players share this like really big secret between characters or they know something like super consequential to the world as a whole and you're not one of those players, your immediate instinct as a person who's curious and as a player who's invested is to start like doing uh, investigation checks or mm-hmm. insight checks or, and it's like, but you wouldn't do that. You yeah. wouldn't do that. If you have no reason to suspect that these PCs who in game you trust like wholeheartedly are harboring this like campaign ending secret. Don't start asking your DM for checks out of fucking nowhere unless yeah. they provide you with an opportunity to do so. I'll say this is kind of an example from that. From our last campaign, there was a character who was a vampire. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he yeah, never yeah. said that he was a vampire and no, he, he introduced himself by breaking into a church and dressing up as a priest and lying and as saying he vampire, was a priest to which everyone. Was so funny. And all of our characters were immediately suspicious because they're dealing with, like, shapeshifters and people, like, chasing them and stuff like that. Yeah. And my character in particular was very, like, untrusting of everyone. Traumatized. Deeply. Permanently. Um, And was just like, who the fuck are you? What Mm. the fuck are you? Blah, 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 blah. And all the other players were like, like, we all knew that he was a vampire, but none of our players did. Mm -hmm. And everyone else was like. Oh, that's just like a guy. Yeah, he's and just a like, priest who's like offering no. to harbor us, you know, like safety. And it got to a point where he was doing things and he was like saying he was a human and then doing things that no human should do, like walk underwater for multiple hours. Mm-hmm. And my character was like, mm-hmm. and no one's going to fucking question that. Nope. We're not going to like confront nope. him about that. And everyone was like, I mean, nah. Listen, in a party of people that can all do extraordinary things, who's to say that a human, in air quotes, can't walk underwater for Me! multiple hours? <laughs> Yeah, and then you have sometimes where players just, like, completely will not touch your plot hooks. Like, they just leave them the fuck alone. Sometimes it truly feels like 
your fishing, which is a really shitty analogy, <laughs> but talking about hooks, right? Like you're just you're dangling it for hours. You're like, okay, oh the, my, they're not taking the bait. I'm gonna put a worm on. You drop it. Two days later, nothing. You're like, all right, fuck it. I'm just gonna start throwing food into the water. Yeah. Every single piece of food has a hook attached to it, all going to the same place. Just shotgun blasting hooks, and nobody touches it. Because they got their own hooks they're following. They got their own story points that they made. And you just, sometimes you got to drop some shit, man. And there like, was something really interesting you did in the last campaign where you mm-hmm. were giving other players hooks for other characters. Yeah. So you were giving other players, like, or trying to give other players hooks for, like, very big information that would answer, like, some of the questions that the mm-hmm. other players really wanted to know. And I think that that's a really cool thing to do yeah. from a DM because it requires your characters to talk to each other. And it also, like, engages everyone into this story. Mm-hmm. And, like, characters' individual, like, plots and stuff like that. Right. But then there were some times that I was sitting there as a player when you were trying waiting. to give one of these characters. Just waiting. It, it was that throwing food into the water. It was mm-hmm. every possible sign. Yeah. And I'm sitting across the table knowing that this is, like, the these are the answers to the questions that I've been rolling shit for for a year at this point. Mm-hmm. And the information was right. It was literally, like, papers sitting on a desk. And no one touched them. And he and, and there was only one it. player in the room, and he just he had no interest in it. And I'm sitting there across the table, like, yep. fucking check the papers. Mm-hmm. But like, I I'm not there. I can't say that. Yeah. And oh, that was one of the most like internally frustrating experiences <laughs> of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess to back it up a little bit. So when like really, really, really back it up. So talking about writing your world specifically as a DM. Um, if you want to take a bite of your sandwich, now would be the time. So it's it's okay to play your favorite movie. It's okay to play your favorite video game. It is okay to like really get engrossed in a fandom or a universe and then bring it to the table. Not hook for hook or like character for character, unless you want to do that. Like if you want to do a My Hero Academia campaign where all the characters are the same, go for it. It's none of my business. But if you like really, really, really like an arc or story choice or some words that were said, do not be afraid to straight rip that shit and put it in your own campaign. Like I think I said it last time, like you're not you're not a Tarantino, you're not Christopher Nolan, you're not like James Gunn, you're not any of these like amazing you're not phenomenal. Gerwig. Yeah, like you're not. Yeah, shout out to Greta Gerwig in the Barbie movie. <laughs> we, we we did Barbenheimer. That was an experience. I made them wear Barbie t-shirts. Me and uh, yeah. me and L, his fiance, I decided that fun. we were going to wear Barbie shirts. And so we had these really cute ones I designed. And we were like, okay, let's get the boys ones. So we made them dress up. It was very fun. I think we certainly had the proper experience going with two guys and two girls, though. Because, like, <laughs> the guys, me and, like, the other guy walked away. And, like, Oppenheimer, that was, a, that was a good fucking movie. And then they walked away from Barbie being like, that was a great fucking movie. And then we're, like, cross-talking. And it's like, Oppenheimer was okay. Yeah, Barbie wasn't really for me. My favorite was after Barbie, the they were just sitting there, like, I, I remember looking over at you in the theater, and you were just fucking boozled. You it's had no like, idea what was going on. It's like on. having somebody throw, like, a straight, like, like a pint of pink paint just on your fucking brain. Yeah, that's fucking amazing. And I'm, that was what I was going to say. It's a really cool experience. And as somebody that was never, as a guy... Typically, right? We're not very involved with Barbies mm-hmm. uh, or even Ken, which, God, Jesus Christ, shout out to Ken. He was great. Um, but we're just not involved in that. And so that actually, I'm going to tie it back to, to the, the episode. 
That was a story that was not written for men exclusively. We were not the main characters in the story. We were a side character through Ken, and we got a lot of really great messaging and hooks and points. And, and I mean, he was involved, right? Like, he was almost, I want to say, maybe a I think quarter, a third. I called Barbie and Ken only because of how much he was. I would have liked show. And he Barbie played a personally. huge part in, like, the whole second half of the movie. Yeah. But it wasn't a movie written for us. It was very much a movie written for... Uh, women and girls that had grown up with Barbie and suffered from all these harmful stereotypes and, like, the idea of Barbie being the perfect woman and then, like, coming to the real world and realize, wow, it actually really fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, as a DM, I, f- I would feel, not this is no no criticism on, on Greta, but, like, as a DM, I think if I had walked away having written that story where I had a guy and a girl at the table, I would be upset with myself because I didn't give enough story points for the guy. However... She she does it. She does story points for Ken in a really great way through Barbie, and mm-hmm. Ken still ends up with his own story. Yeah, like I think that's a great example of what you said earlier, like giving other characters information through a different character. Yeah, like you can very much world build and info dump, uh, and give hooks through the storytelling of another character that still gives them the spotlight, but then also tease up another hook or another arc for a different character. And this is kind of a little bit of a stretch, but when you were saying about like. Um, giving characters information through other characters. Mm-hmm. One of the fastest ways that I've seen at the table, and this kind of goes into world building, of like yeah. uniting characters mm-hmm. is through hatred. It oh, is yeah. through mutual hatred. And like if you have one motherfucker that everyone yep. in the party hates individually I, before they know each other, you job did at such a good a job at that. Fucking character. In a, like even session zero of our of our recent campaign, mm-hmm. my character, who's like a very happy go lucky, very I'm great trusting, at playing the asshole character. There's an know? asshole character in every campaign because and you, I expect it. And they it's exist fun. in every culture on in every city, in every <laughs> town, in every village, in every multiverse. You can't get away from the people that think they're self important and grandizing and some of them make for great villains and some of them just make for like dickish npcs i'll say it, i love playing with those characters because yeah. it's very cathartic for me to get to like yell at them at the table yeah. Yeah, um yeah. and it also makes for very fun like banter it's fun to mm-hmm. go back and forth and just exchange insults but everyone loves to hate everyone loves everyone to hate. loves to hate it was no one like and this was one of those things of like and this is no hate to anyone at our table but sometimes mm-hmm. they do get a little like tuned out but that's yeah. because i also know that a lot of my individual parts of like my introductions are very like are, are info dumpy are very yeah. like lore and some characters naturally have more information that you need to give them on session one than others yeah and my character was one of those characters but then mm-hmm. um she ends up talking to this uh this guy and everyone at the t- i've ne- that was like the most engaged yeah, everyone I'd was seen like that punch table. him hit him right now immediately everyone went fucking hit him Punch him. Kill him. <laughs> oh, my God. He's an asshole. Yeah, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. He's such a creep. Kill him. Kill him. He hadn't even done anything like that bad at no. that point. He, he was just, literally he was just, just like. He's just a douchebag. Like, he he's just, just a he's a college frat guy that's a superhero. And that's like, that's what makes him so hateable. Yeah. And, and, and it's so fun to hate him. And yeah. it's so fun to role play with that character. But the immediate, like, connect of everyone at the mm. table being like, we have a common enemy right yeah. now, and it's not even and then someone the moment that, that happens that's then, supposed to be the enemy. Yeah, and then, like, the, the secondary moment, too, everyone also loves, to, like, I don't want to say everyone loves to love, but everyone loves to care about the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like, when it was in Session Zero, mm-hmm. it hasn't happened in Session One, we'll see if it does. But on Session Zero, everyone but really came together at kid. the end because there was a kid that, like, snuck into this big fight. And then there's this like reveal that oh shit, there's a kid here, and everyone in the building was there for di- for a different reason. But they're all heroes, and so like to immediately see like this child in danger, everyone immediately switched focus and immediately like, just started going for the like going for the kid. 
Yeah. Everyone started fighting to make sure the kid got out. Um, and it was except a really for cool one moment. PC who was trying to actively kill the child. Yeah, except for one. Yeah, except for one player who almost blew the child up with rockets. Like it, not accidentally. It was intentional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, don't kill kids in your campaign, by the way. <laughs> like as a, as I'm yeah. not a DM, but as a don't DM, be afraid to do fucked up things. Don't it's be afraid to do fucked up But don't do that. Don't do that. Don't kill the dog. Don't kill the dog. Don't do that. Shout out, Britain. Don't kill the fucking dog. Yeah. Don't don't kill the dog. At least in session one. Mm -hmm. You can do that later. Yeah, you can do it way later. Like, especially if the dog has had a lot of really cool story moments and it's been building (laughs) up. Like, they're a really key character. And then, like... I don't like hearing you go on this tangent as someone who plays at your table. But, I mean, really, though, like, if you're going to kill a fucking NPC of any kind, whether it make is an it, animal or a companion... Make it important. And also make give it count. a chance to, like, help. Game of Thrones save. is a great show, and so is Crown of Candy as an actual play. However, comma... And I'm not saying Crown of Candy did, didn't, did this. They didn't. But Game of Thrones, I think, is, is more uh, uh, responsible here. Don't just kill characters for the sake of killing them. Yeah. You know? If it's like, this is a harsh world where nobody survives... There's and an NPC so you made last like, session is, like, dead? Like, cool. What does that mean for me? Yeah. If you want a more impactful death, and this is also coming from, like, someone who, like, does a lot of, like, storytelling and, like, story analysis and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You have to let your audience, which are your players, Become get attached, attached to things before you kill them. Yeah, Even yeah, to yeah. the world. Characters aren't going to want to save a world that they have no attachment to, which is something we kind of like dealt with in the last campaign. Is yeah. We were like, okay, you guys need to save the world. Yeah, we were no like, one's, yeah, no one cared about the world. And I was like, I don't, we don't really Like they fully care. just like left a world to die because they were like, none of our fucking business. <laughs> More like, than once. We tried. We failed. I'm not risking my life for that. Yeah, like I don't she know him. fucking later. I don't know Tiamat. I'm not getting in her business. Yeah. Like, like it was listen, very. The, the only guy here who has an invested interest said peace. So we said peace. Like yeah, like you have to let people get yeah. involved because not every character is going to be good for the sake of being good. Which also, mm. side note for players, and I'll probably talk about this more in character yeah. creation. Yeah. We'll talk a lot, a lot about more. A don't lot more about make it. Make an Jesus endlessly Christ. edgy character for no reason. You've got to care about something. And if you're an edgy yeah. character, we have a section give yourself titled, a soft spot. Don't be Batman. That we'll talk about later. Like but... Give yourself a soft like the kid thing. I yeah. mean. Like, it, which we're dealing with, like, we've got a lot of heroes in the group, but we've got some people who fall a little bit more anti hero. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the end of the day. Which is unavoidable. Every, there's going to be at yeah. least one person at the table that wants to play an anti hero, you know? Yeah, there's always going to be someone who's like. like it's, it's an attractive grab. Like, it's somebody that does the right thing for the wrong reason. Everyone, Red Hood. Or the wrong Batman. thing for the right reason, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, like, Give your character a spot to feel soft and something that they want to protect. And it's mm-hmm. and eventually Yeah, really lean like, on what you know about their like their morals yeah. and their values to get them engaged. And so yeah, you can kill the dog. But mm-hmm. wait until everyone loves the dog. Yeah. And the dog means a lot to them. And then when you kill it, yeah. give them a chance to save it first. See what I And then they'll all come together to avenge the death of the dog. And then it just turns into John Wick. Right. What I will say about not killing characters too quickly or, or um often or without reason. Uh you I don't want to say this because it might give somebody like the wrong the wrong idea, but you can very much kill a character very quickly or soon after they've been introduced if the 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 PCs uh, morals or backstory is really going to be negatively affected by that. Like, there was a moment in my first campaign I ever played where I was playing a warlock, and I wasn't I wasn't edgy. I very much, like, somehow I've managed to do it several times, but this, like, good to bad or, like, hopeful to hopeless kind of mm-hmm. character transition. 
Um, and I had like a deal with the devil, as warlocks do. And my my things I had worked up to a point where like if I had killed if I killed any innocent people, like truly innocent people that I knew were innocent, I would get like a massive power boost in terms of gameplay. And I did. I ended up incredibly broken by the end of that campaign. Um, and there was this character where I had to make like a really key decision. I had never really met them before. They were like, or we had never really talked to them as like NPC. Mm-hmm. It was the mayor of like the starting town. We didn't really give a shit about him. We didn't care about him. We didn't even really like him all that much. But I was told that like before I had gotten to this town, like if I had killed somebody that was really truly innocent or that I felt was truly innocent or like important, that I would like I, that would be the first step to like gaining like more power. And the, the NPC didn't have a lot of backstory, but I still did it. And it was it like sucked for me as a person to follow what I felt like was the logical decision of the character I was playing. Yeah. Like I legitimately walked away from that session and I, I was talking to my DM who's now a player um, at the time and I was like that. I think was one of the worst decisions I've made both in real life and in like in a game because yeah, it, it's... it hurt. And it the character that I killed was important to an extent, but did not have any extensive background or meaning. But my character's backstory and morals is what gave that death meaning. Yeah. And so I think even if you don't have a lot writing or a lot of hooks attached to something that you want to write off or kill uh, or like do something negative to, as long as it's impactful to the players, you can still do it if it pushes the plot forward. Like if Batman kills a random person, that's going to be a big deal to yeah, Batman. The random person no killing rule doesn't matter. Like that random person could have been introduced for the first time on that panel and dies at the end of that panel. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's still going to be really important because, like you said, Batman doesn't kill people. Yeah. So you kill know? with caution. That's the yeah, that's kill with caution. Kill with caution. Kill with caution. But yeah, like, and we've kind of gone off tangent. But I think when you're you're creating your world, uh, we've already talked about working with your players. Figure out what setting they want, what settings they don't like. Figure out what time period too. Like, mm-hmm. um, the Sword Coast because it's it's been a setting that's been around for so long. Um, has so much history and things that have happened to it. Like. Yeah. Baldur's Gate, uh, Neverwinter, like all of these locations that have been like destroyed and rebuilt. There are time periods on the Sword Coast where some of those cities didn't exist, where they did exist, where they were like in their height when they were like at their low, when they had been erased. Like, mm-hmm. so also figure out what time, because time is just as important as setting. And sometimes I think people get they're not specific enough, and then it leads to kind of some plot issues because it's. Like, if I'm just on the Sword Coast, like, we just start a campaign, and we're just there, and I'm like, cool, so, like, what's around us? Like, what's going on? What's the history? If you don't have that pre-made or preset, have fun coming up with it on the spot. Yeah. Like, because depending on the setting you're playing in, whether it's, if it's homebrewed, you can make some shit up and canonize it. If it's Sword Coast, if it's stuff that's already there, you might then have to walk away from that session and do a lot of Googling before the next one to figure out exactly what time period you want the setting to be in. Or do a, a fun little... Okay, so we're going to retcon some of the stuff I said last yeah, session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Retconning is okay. Retconning is totally okay. From a player okay. to a DM... I retconned the whole don't... session one. I yeah. turned into a session zero because I didn't like the way I role-played characters. Yeah, like, and that's okay. And As a DM, don't stress about being like, well, fuck, I said it. Now I've got to keep it. Yeah. You can retcon shit. We retcon, write, we've retconned so many things. Yeah. You're not if like... If you forget that something happened last session as, as like the DM and you say, yeah. oh, well, this person does this or uses this magical item... Like, and then all your players dead. look at you like, well, didn't they die? Didn't we, like, break the item? Or, like, didn't we travel to a different location? You're like, oh, yeah, we did. 
Surprise! <laughs> we started, when we first started playing one of our campaigns, we were just using the term Greece because we weren't like, we, we were just like, whatever, we're just going to yeah, talk about like ancient Greece. Yeah, it was and a then, setting that I hadn't fully fleshed out. And so yeah. I was like, I wanted it to be Greece-like. And this is before I knew that Theros was a, a setting, which for those that don't know a whole lot about it, Theros is like another, I think, Wizards of the Coast Greece. property. It's Wizards of the Coast, ancient it, Greece. Uh, it's a, a spinoff directly mm -hmm. of the Magic the Gathering Theros set, which I play Magic the Gathering, Wizards of the Coast owns both. Um, and so they ended up turning it into like a full setting with uh, a book, and I used the source book. Um, and I gave it a name because Theros was a lot more interesting and fun than just saying Greece. That also gave me access to stat blocks, to maps, to locations, to backgrounds, to history. It was to also plot kind points. of fun because at that point we both had Theros as a place, and then we also still had Apollo as a character, yeah, even uh, though yeah, there was Apollo an Apollo was equivalent in Theros, but we had already, yeah. like, spoken directly to Apollo on mm -hmm. multiple occasions yep. from, like, way, way, way back. I just had Apollo and straight-up ancient Greece, and then there was also a character who was basically from, like, ancient magical Japan. Yeah. Well, for reference, two of the people in that particular campaign were archaeologists, or archaeology majors. Oh, my God. And so they were history nuts. And so their backstories, and to this day, still happens with one of them that still plays at my table. They like to insert real, like, real world Earth as it is today, history he and background. He was correcting us on how many rowers our ship would have. Mm -hmm. um, I was Which like... is infuriating, by the way. <laughs> as <That> a player, <laughs> I, swear to, I swear to God I'll kill you. I'll kill you so fast. You will drown. I don't care if you know how to swim. Yeah, it was like, a thing that we were like, oh, shit, we need to make a boat. Can we make a boat? And I was like, like, great. Actually, this is how many rowers it would take to row a boat of this Shut size. The fuck up. And it's like, I didn't ask you. We just made a boat out of magic. Do you want to get to the next place or not? <laughs> like, those are your options. Do or don't. Yeah. We're not paying attention to how Playing many with archaeologists rows. is a very interesting experience. Playing with anybody that has a vested interest in any like cultural or social aspect that you have inserted into your campaign can be exhausting because they constantly feel the need to tell you or correct you or insert. And that can be fun, like with comic books. Me and yeah. Madison both know a lot about comic books. Her character in the current campaign is very comic book forward. And I don't, it doesn't bother me when she's like, yeah, these heroes would have comic book stories. And like, what if the villains were like this? And what if the heroes were like that? And they were portrayed in this way in the comic books. I don't give a shit. That's yeah. cool. But when I try to give you a cool moment and you shit on it because it's not realistic enough for you, get fucked. Yeah. Don't, don't shoot your DM down yeah. when they're trying like that. And that's also, I think goes both ways. If your player's trying to do something really cool, rule of cool, you know, yeah, be a little bit cool. flexible. Yeah. Shout out to Matt Mercer. He says that all the time um, on Critical Role. Rule of cool. Like, there are so many yeah. moments that it happen in their real plays um, where, like, someone will try to do six actions in one sentence, which realistically, with the way action economy works in 5th edition, you can't do. They're like, I want to do this, I want to jump there, I want to grab that, I want to say goodbye, and I want to jump out of the window. That's like four actions. Yeah. Everybody at the t same table as you, literally, in the fantasy world, is sitting at the same table as you. They all have now five actions to interact with you and say, no, you don't. Yeah. But... Rule of cool, right? Like, if it if it's just a cool thing that can happen, maybe, get, like, have them roll a dexterity check and then ask all the other players, like, are you guys too in shock to do anything in this moment? Like, realistically, would you would you act? Would you say anything? And then if they do, give them the appropriate checks. But let yeah. those six actions play out as a few really cool, like, roll of the dice moments and then let it go. And I'll tell you, as a player, you cherish those moments. Those mm. make you feel like a fucking superhero at the table. Mm. I remember there was, like, one where I was, like trying to like shoot something but it was way up high so i was like can i like 
my character was like kind of like had a background in like performing. So I was like, mm-hmm. can I throw my daggers and like climb up my daggers and then yeah. like try and shoot from the top? Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, go for it. Give me you a can dexterity roll for check it. and then like see if it works. Which and is a very popular phrase you'll hear at a table or you'll you say try. as a DM. Yeah, you can try or you may try or you can roll for it. Or if you get a natural 20. The phrase, if you get a natural 20, that's I won't those say are it. fighting words. I refuse to say that because that's just opening myself up to so many possibilities that I, I've said it a couple times, but I try not to because it's always when you tempt fate in the dice oh, like that. there have that, been moments where people have rolled that 20s at the happen. table that you're like upset about. Yeah. And not to say that like, I don't encourage those moments or that I don't like them. But they they make for really, But they can be exhausting. But that's why I think the statement, you can roll for it, is a lot better than give me a natural 20. Because if they do get a natural 20, you don't have anything attached to the statement. You just said they can roll for it. You didn't say they can roll for it and get it. You yeah. said they can roll for it. Like, Because sometimes there are moments where it's like, oh, that sounds so sick. You can roll for it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and cool, your you... DC is five. I would. L- you physically could not do this. You're like five nothing. You weigh 100 pounds soaking wet. You have no athletic ability. But this sounds cool. Yeah. Roll the dice. DC five. If it's I want to see you do it. Fucking sick. Like yeah. enjoy the story that you're telling and let it be fun. Like and make those are... main character moments, man. Yeah. Like, Write them in. We were just yelling Write earlier about you're not the fucking main yeah. character, but you and can have not. those moments, and you mm-hmm. have your turn to be the main character, but you're not the main character. All and as a player, time. don't be afraid to ask your DM to to insert one of those moments as well. Not like, yeah. hey, man, I'd really like next session if I had a main character. You, I mean, you could always come to your DM, and DMs, I encourage you all to be open. If a player comes to you and says, hey, like I really feel like my character hasn't really gotten a lot of spotlight, or I'm just getting kind of bored at the table, could we like interact with me a little bit more next session? I've, is, is a DM? Cool. Like You get a whole arc for the next, yeah. next four-hour session we do? All about you, buddy. Yeah. Take it. Run with it. But like... As a player, also, please don't be afraid to approach your DM and, and ask them to do cool things, even in the moment. Like, players, rule, rule bother of cool goes your both DMs. Ways. Yeah, yeah. Fucking bother, bother your DMs. Bother I bother Robert questions. constantly about D&D yeah. to the point where he's now co hosting a podcast with me because yeah. we have multiple hour long conversations about it. Mm. And I'm like, I, I personally. Might as am... well attempt to get them monetized at some point, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to talk about this in the basement, might as well talk about yeah. it in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, you you never, like, what's the worst that can happen if you ask mm-hmm. about something? Yeah. They say no. They're not going to yeah. be and like, no, no that was a bad idea. Now I'm going to kill you at the table. Yeah. Like, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, if you got a 60-foot gap to cross and, Jesus Christ, trying to figure out what your, what your jump is height jump distances there are literally calculators that are only made for calculating jump height and jump distance but if like your character who has 30 movement speed wants to jump a gap of 100 feet on their own no respectfully no i mean your player could always be like hey man rule of cool like what if i just got a really big running start and then like lift it off of my staff and try to do like a helicopter thing with it and it's like if you want to risk your life for this cool moment i'll let you roll for it i've done that when i would I can tell you right now, it's not going to happen. And then sometimes it does fucking happen. And everybody at the table's mouths are like slack-jawed because holy shit, he did it. Yeah. It's like you need to roll like three dice. You need to roll three d20s. Every one of them, every roll needs to be above a 20. And it's like 25, 26, 29. Okay. You don't even have a plus in those stats. (laughs) I don't know how you did that. And it's like everybody at the table is like, here, take my bardic inspiration, take my chaos yeah. guy, take my time. And it's like, what what the fuck, man? I love it when that happens at the table is when 
the DM sets a really high DC for something yeah, because the character wants it. to do something stupid. And so everyone at the table goes, I'm going to drop everything I'm doing and give so many boosts to this character. And it's always something stupid. It's always like, yeah. like this character wants to like try to flirt with a fish or some shit like that. All for milfs. Yeah, like that shit. And then everyone just piles on as many dice as yep, possible. To make it happen. Because that's a cool moment, And you get to watch man. the life slowly drain out of your DM's eyes. And it's so it's so satisfying. It is incredibly satisfying. Hey, this shit sucks. Do you have something you want to send in to make it better? Criticisms, topics you'd like to see discussed, or an advertisement you'd like to run? Maybe you even want to sponsor an episode. If so, shoot us a message at mc460 at evansville.edu or DM us on Instagram at Crescent Magazine. Or we'll never get better like these fucking guys. Okay, a couple of things I do want to talk about before this gets wrapped up in about 20 or so minutes that I just haven't thought to talk about yet. Um, we, we mentioned it briefly as a, as a, a DM. Um, oftentimes like you have those that'll do voices and you have mm-hmm. those that will not do voices <laughs> and then you have those that have like really nailed one one voice and will do it the whole time like I'm have one of those people at our table I'm really good at like the, the, the Jersey accent and the Italian yeah. accent I don't know where it came from <laughs> but my fiance one day I was talking to my fiance it's just like in, in how I, I normally talk she was like if you pushed it a little more like I would think you were from New Jersey and I'm like okay that's a new voice for me oh and it's turned into I, one of my favorite things at the table mm-hmm. all of the characters from this like one part of town all have the same accent. all have the same accent which wasn't an yeah. intentional thing it just it ended up being that way but now that's a really cool like world building thing and everyone from this part of town sounds that way yeah 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 but don't I would encourage oh, you shit, I'm bleeding oh Jesus it's fine. I would encourage you as a DM to try a voice, but on the flip side, I would also tell you that it is okay if you do not feel comfortable doing a voice. If you just cannot for the life of you figure out what a particular NPC is going to sound like because this is the first time you've ever had to roleplay as them or you just had to make them on the spot, just use your normal voice, pitch it up, pitch it down, and then call it a day. There's so many other ways, actor here, uh, so many different ways you can change your voice mm-hmm. without doing a voice. You can change the length mm-hmm. of the way you're talking. Yeah, and you cadence. can change the speed and you can talk really fast. Yeah. Or uh, like quirks, like if they say a particular word a whole bunch or like a lot. Like there were one of the first times I role played um, for the players as like the, the main, uh, I get a term out of the way, right? BBEG, mm-hmm. um, like the big bad guy, right? Um one of the first times that I role-played him and they got to like really see what his character was like, I didn't do a particular voice, but I did it like he was, this is going to sound bad, almost like he was schizophrenic or he was having like a, a mental lapse. Mm-hmm. And so like my role-playing for him wasn't doing a voice. It was stuttering and it was switching cadence and it was doing like facial things and like weird things just with his voice in general, but not the accent. Mm-hmm. That works just as well too. Because, like, in that moment, everybody understood, okay, this guy is fucking nuts. Yeah, because he was, he was literally glitching. Yeah, he was, like, broken, rolling he's through glitching, people at once. His faces are switching. And I didn't have to do an accent. I just had to stutter my voice and drag my words out. Yeah. And that was enough. So figure out what works for you. If you're more like the cadence and the speed and the pitch and the tone, do that. If your accent's all the way, find a few that really work for you and throw them in there. If you're neither... 
that's okay too. You can also describe the way someone talks. You can say yeah. that he has like a really he mm-hmm. has a higher pitched voice than you yeah. would expect, and blah blah blah, and that and a little bit more theater of the mind for sure. But mm-hmm. like, I mean, that's what the whole thing is, though, right? Like, it's all theater of the mind. Unless you're playing with like state of the art shit, you're never gonna have an NPC unless you like pre made them, pre printed them, whatever that you can yeah. like picture perfectly and is on the screen now and is mouthing and talking exactly like you like it's just you you want to play a video game if that's the world that you're interested in yeah as as someone that's playing dungeons and dragons or anything that's like a tabletop rpg it's it's all theater of the mind and the more creative that you can be when you're picturing that shit in your head like the the cooler your experience will be yeah but yeah it's just the voices i think are an interesting topic when you're talking about like being a dm because some people just aren't good at it. Some people are better than others. Some people have, like, that social anxiety. Like, it still takes me a good, like, 20, 30 minutes to really get into a session before I can start getting into the voices and the characters. Just because as a non-actor, as somebody that's not engaged in role-playing, except for the two times I do it a week, I just, it's not something I have a lot of practice doing. Like, yeah. I have a lot of practice being myself. And that's where some of my best character role-playing has come from. Like, with yeah. my, my asshole characters... I used that's to. That's why they're ever. That's truly why they though. That's so why well. they're as good as they are because I know how to play that character. Like my personality is very asshole adjacent. <laughs> and there was a time in my Less life adjacent at certain times. Yeah, that's fair. But like I, I have, I have, I'd like to think I have pretty good control on like when I'm really overdoing it and when I'm not. But I like the very like funny and crude humor, like yeah. sarcasm, like just the full asshole effect. Uh, and so my two, like, so, some of my favorite role-playing moments, specifically with my uh, with my big villain of my first campaign, it was me, but, like, pushed to the extreme with a lot of external motivation. Yeah. Um, like, the taunt, like moments... taunting the players, making fun of the players, like, specifically bringing up things that, like, he would know to say to set them off balance or to I'll get say, them overly was, engaged in a combat. It was such a cool villain it was such a fun character to like role play with and this was a character that we accidentally killed yeah like and then we brought didn't back mean to, life. to kill and, and i was again. like I, I my character still had questions for this mm-hmm. character and it was also yeah. a really fucking fun bad guy to play with and mm-hmm. robert had put in so much work like into creating this bad guy and yeah. then it was very like clearly i didn't, like, oh, I didn't shit, even have a to kill him i didn't have a stat block for him until one of the final encounters like yeah. i never had a full stat block for him until the final encounter um, and that's another topic, I guess, to hop to. Um, stat blocks. If you're world building, if you're DMing, well, it doesn't matter what system you're in. You're going to have to come up with one eventually. And this is kind of where you have to choose between, okay, how much homebrew am I doing? How much mm-hmm. content am I pulling from the internet? Am I buying books? Like, what? A, how am I doing it? Making a stat block is a first-time DM. Truly, personally, I do not recommend it. It is, it is hell. If you don't know what... Like, if this is your first time behind the scenes, it's so different than making a character. Like, my first instinct when I was trying to come up with um, NPCs, specifically villains, I thought that, like, the way to do it would be to go to my character creator and just make the characters. But then Mm -hmm. I would get to the combat session and realize this is organized for a player. I have not played as this NPC until this combat encounter. I have no idea what any of this shit means. Yeah. And so I'm just like picking things on, like scrolling through the character, uh, the character app that we have, and just like trying to pick random things to do. Um, so truly, don't just be afraid to find a stat block for a creature or an NPC or a character that like has already been made that you really like, and then give it a new face and a new name. Yeah. Um, like one of the, I just I bought a source book for this new campaign just because it's it's helping a lot in terms of the world building and the power system. 
and like reading the stat block for the current villain that I'm playing in the session, it is insane. People, it looks like whoever wrote the book yeah. just took like abilities and AC and scores from some crazy fucking critters uh, from 5e, but like it's good stuff and it all works with his character. Like all the abilities and the spells and the AC, uh, it all fits his character and the personality and who he's supposed to be in the world. But I can, like just reading the spell descriptions, they're clearly rips from things that came from like the monster manual. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. Pull a stat block. Look, you can literally Google stat blocks for 5e creatures and you will mm -hmm. have a list on like uh, wiki.5e. You can also just go like the straight up uh, like D&D Beyond with the monster manual and Xanathar's mm -hmm. Guide to everything. Like every book you're, you look at is going to have a stat block. Find one you like, give it a new name, give it a new face, maybe even mix and match and then call it there. Uh, do not try and make a stat block for every creature, character, PC, whatever the fuck. Don't do that. It's too much time, and it's not worth it. It's really not. Like, that's just, I don't know. I think I kind of have a hard stance on that. And maybe it's just because I'm not fucking good at it. There are too many choices. Um, but, yeah, like... Well, too many choices can be paralyzing sometimes. And I feel like is. that's something that, like... And, obviously, I've never DM'd. I, I that's one of the shit like, things about 5e, though. Like, there's, yeah, there's so, so much content. Much content. And that's got to be exhausting. Because mm -hmm. I know yeah. it's already daunting to, like, I consider, like, I know a lot about D&D. &D, but mm -hmm. I am also scared to say that I know a lot about D&D &D because there's yeah. so much information and content out there. There's always more to it. learn. There's yeah. always a new a new spell that you haven't seen before with a new effect you haven't used. Like, um, I've got severe imposter syndrome saying that, like, I'm into vehicles D &D because used... I'm like, I feel like we've used one vehicle. Yeah. And I didn't even have them use it the way it was supposed to be used. No, we just made that shit up. Yep. And I feel like, am I like fake mm -hmm. or not? And maybe no. that's also no, no, like no. being a woman in nerd spaces. I feel like I constantly have to prove myself because I've yeah. like literally had yeah, men yeah. in real life be like, oh, well, what do you know about this? What yeah, do you know well, about this? What do you really know about D&D? &D? Like, I don't, you don't go have to game a dick stores. between your legs, do you? Yeah. I like... don't see a neck beard. Like, like, I don't go to game stores without one of the guys that I live with with me mm -hmm. because I just, I feel very intimidated and I've had very negative experiences of like being yeah. asked, well, do you even, oh, you like Harley Quinn? Mm -hmm. Of course you do. And it's like, yeah. yeah, motherfucker, because I have like a very deep attachment to that character for a litany of other reasons. And that's okay. That's a side note. Um, but like. How do you deal with sifting through that content? Or because, like, that's why I. Yeah, it's looking at it. It's I think difficult. I always like, gravitate towards homebrew for that reason. So, I started off very, very homebrew because there wasn't a setting that which starting homebrew can be a lot more difficult than starting out of a book. Like every the the two people that have been a DM for me both started out of a book and then turned into homebrew because it's easier to to leap from something than into nothing. Um. So it really just kind of depends. Like, it, it depends on the campaign. It depends on the information I'm looking for. Um, sometimes that's what makes it difficult playing in a setting that's real. Like, playing in Theros was somehow more stressful for me than it was playing in any of the other settings that I had put you all in because I had full control of the lore of that place. Yeah. Uh, but in Theros, and yeah, yeah, I could just make shit up in Theros. But if I want to have you fight a Minotaur, I know there's a stat block out there for a Minotaur in Theros. Like, I just know in the source book it's there somewhere. Uh, and so it really just, I try and play it by the moment. I don't try and prepare a lot of, like, hard material ahead of time. Uh, because I'm just going to stress myself the fuck out, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think when it comes to that sifting, 
if you're in homebrew, you have a bit of an easier time because you can make it up on the fly. You can Google a stat block and give it a name. If you're playing out of a setting or a source book, sometimes you feel a little bit more contained uh, and like you have to stick to the source material and the, the I guess, kind of the, the blurbs and the blocks and the bits that they give you about the, the creatures and the mythos and the world building and the powers. Um, and, and yeah, I, I don't know. It kind of varies. It's a hard question to answer, truly. Like for this particular campaign, just buying a source book uh, really helped. It was only fifteen dollars. It's a lot of content, and the what I was looking for in that source book were stat blocks, mm-hmm. anything about a map, um, which I'll talk about maps after this. I forgot to mention it. Those usually play a pretty big um, kind of to do with the table, depending on where you're at in your in your world building in your session. Uh, and I just I wanted a lot of that work to be done for me, but not to the extent that sometimes it is in like a Thero source book or a Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Yeah. Uh, or any of the other 10,000 fucking source books that Wizards of the Coast has put out. Not to say anything negative about them, but there's so many, and there's a lot of money to, to be put into that space. And there's just also a lot more freedom when you're using something that's not... Yeah, something that's not official, that something that's a little more off the beaten path. To. Yeah, and that's... Unless you accidentally send them the whole PDF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's just, it's a little bit of really playing it by ear like that. That would be my, I guess, my, my only really solid piece of advice going into a session zero or a session one or even just a new campaign. Only be as prepared as you need to be to answer questions. Do not, or, or for whatever you really need for the next session. Like, yes, in 10 sessions, you might want your players to be at the top of this tower that's going to have its own map and its own room with very specific combatants with super specific stat blocks and a villain who you haven't made a stat block for. That's 10 sessions. You have, depending on how short and long your sessions are and how frequently you meet, don't worry about that. Don't come up with that yet. Because you might end up in a completely different place in three sessions than you did, or than you thought you were going to. Only come up with what you need for the next, uh, or for the first. And I think for a session zero or a session one, truly the only thing you need to know is enough information about your world to answer the questions that your players are going to naturally come up with. Yeah. Like, I know somebody at the table is going to ask me, would I know this hero? What do I know about this hero? What do I know about this part of town? What is, how am I perceived? Uh, are heroes an, a negative or a positive thing? What's the criminal justice system like here? Is it vigilante outlawed? Like, um, are there any big companies that like produce heroes? Like, all of those things are questions that uh, I, I had answers to. I came prepared enough in knowing the world, but not enough to restrict my players from making their own decisions in, in session one or, or zero. Um, like you don't want to know so much and have so much prepared that they don't have autonomy at the table. That's, that's the fun part of role playing as a player, right? You get to make your own decisions, create your own story. Uh, and as a, as a DM, truly, I think it's just your job to have all of those things ready to let them jump into, you know, like if your hook just doesn't work for a player and they fully divulge into something different or take it in a, in a direction you weren't expecting, have enough on hand that you can just make it up as you go. Yeah. And then if it's something where you're like, oh shit, no, I like really need several hard stat blocks for these characters and I just didn't have them, that's fine. Like, write them out for a second or say, okay, I know I'm doing a combat session um, and I wasn't prepared for it today, but we'll do it next time. And then just like pivot to something else, you know? Only prepare as much as you need for the session you're going into. Not for the one after it and not for the one after that because you never know what's going to change. Yeah, and things will change. Players will do fuck shit as yeah. players do. And that's, even you as a DM, what we're built your, your opinions of the campaign that you wrote before coming into this will change. You will yeah. want story points to be different. 
say you play a, you role play a character and you really had this idea in your mind that they were going to be like this really key important NPC that was going to come back in a big way, and then you finally get them at the table and the players interact with them. Uh, say your players aren't interested or you're just not a fan of the character even the way that you made it. Don't be afraid to just ditch that fucking character or yeah. write them off or write that story point off even if you wrote it. Like, pivot. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, your players don't know what you already have written. It's in the same way yeah. and this is kind of similar to like something that like another actor thing of like mm-hmm. when you're watching a play, yeah. an actor definitely fucked up a line and like fucked it up bad. Yeah. I guarantee it. But you don't know that because you don't know the play, mm-hmm. and, that's and that's one of the things they like teach too. us a lot. It's the, I think act acting and DMing are so similar to me. I mean, mm-hmm. acting and D and D in general yeah. are so fucking similar, and I yeah, could yeah. do an entire episode by myself about that. But yeah. no, and that's that's what's kind of fun about having these conversations with like between somebody that's been a player longer and a, and a DM uh, like longer, even just talking to your players or your DM like post session or post campaign, and you're like, hey, like in this moment, like did you really have that? together or was that really the plan and you just you get some really cool insights by doing that it's like no i didn't have that planned i didn't know that that mechanic was going to become a key thing um i did like i didn't really plan for that story point becoming big or for you to have that moment but like holy shit wasn't it cool that it happened that way i can't hype up enough having like little talkbacks i Mm -hmm. mean we do very informal talkbacks yeah we just talk about it like right after the session or like a day or two as we're like going upstairs and it's Mm -hmm. just kind of like, like holy shit, man, that moment was really cool. I really liked what you did there, you know? Yeah. It, or like it, me as a DM, really cornering a player when they're alone so no one else is around <laughs> to hear it and being like, hey, I really like that point that you laid on last time. Lay on it harder. Yeah. Like, do it more. And it's also fun as a player to have those conversations with other players. Like, I was talking to one of our other players, and we have something, like, kind of, like, cute and funny that we're going to do next session. And there was another mm-hmm. um, moment last campaign where, well, me and a, another player tried to play it out this really, really fucking cool thing, and it would have been so yeah. sick, and then it didn't happen in game, mm-hmm. and we were so upset, and we told uh, Robert about it later. Yeah. And I'm still so upset <laughs> that that never happened, because it would have been such a cool, with the ring. Yeah. That yeah, would have been yeah, yeah. so goddamn cool. Yeah, it would have cool. been really cool. Um, and sometimes things aren't going to land. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, some materials to have, I think, as a DM. A map is sometimes pretty useful. You can buy, uh, like, uh, universe-specific maps. Like, there are plenty of really, like, high-quality, really, really nice Sword Coast maps. Like, uh, my co- DM, whose um, campaign I'm in right now, one of our friends, he has a really nice, like, Sword Coast map, and it's got all a bunch of fancy information on it. It's not dry erase, but, like, it's really cool to have it out on the table and to... Mm-hmm. Uh, like, as a party, he's like, okay, well, you guys have some downtime, or, like, you have a couple of locations you got to travel to, and then rolls out the map on the table, and we get to, like, literally, like, point and chart a journey, and it feels like it's, it's, a, it's a much more immersive role-playing moment, I, I think, to actually, like, have the map or the scroll or the, the location in front of you and to, like, oh my literally point I love point props. And I love paper props. Yeah. And so I think... DM- this is and just you can include those. Do it. It's so fun. Yeah. This is just for a... This is just a table general thing in terms of materials to have. Um... A dry erase map is truly all you need. Anything that's dry erase or any kind of paper that you can write on for combat sessions, for drawing out, like, the 5 by 5 gridded bullshit that a building looks like if they're trying to do, like, a heist or whatever. Um, And then if you don't have, like, a a specific map for your location, that's fine. Like, I don't have a map for mine right now. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do for that because it's such a... I can picture it almost perfectly in my head. However, 
it's a full fucking metropolitan city inside of a dome. Like, yeah. And there aren't a lot of maps out there like that that I can just rip because it's a very homebrewed idea. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I don't, I'm not going to have a map for them, probably for at least a few more sessions. But I know the locations well enough in my head to be like, yeah, so this is where you want to go. Like, if yeah. this is what you want to do, this is where you want to go. This is the neighborhood. You know what the neighborhood's like. You've been there before. Um, and so the map's not required, right? Power of your imagination, but it always helps. Having either a, a notebook or a laptop just to remember things, to write down your story points. I'll be watching a movie. I, I Literally, I wrote this on a little Google Doc. Do not be afraid to play through your favorite media or watch it and take fucking notes. Oh, absolutely. I, I like, I'll walk away from watching a movie or an episode of an anime or playing a little bit more of a video game, and I'll go to my little DM notebook and write down a story point that I want to copy, like point for point. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit if anybody knows what I'm doing. It'd it's, be cool as fuck. It's fun. And I'll say... Take it, your notes. I. It's also something of, as a player, if you know something is like has inspiration from something, it's so tempting to just go to that like source material and like yeah. obsessively no, scour it. But don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's mostly a message to like myself and other players <laughs> like me out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's totally fair. But, like, also, most of the time, your players won't notice. Mm-hmm. And if they this do, it'll be, like, a cool the, nod. The bad guy in the campaign that we had that went on for, like, almost two years, Yeah. the name was anagrammed, and we were given the name I literally looked year up. year one. I put that name into, like, a randomizer for anagram specifically. That shit pissed me off so much. Yep. The name was Loki because I played very heavily on several different mythologies, mm. uh, Greek and Norse in particular. And so it was like this different version or variant of Loki and like my own kind of, I guess, imagining of like the, the, the Norse mythology universe that ended up playing a really big point. But his name that he would give everybody because it was kind of like a fun inside thing to him. Yeah. It sounds different enough that you're like, okay, there's like, you wouldn't make that connection. It was Keloi, spelled K-I-L-O. I also was writing a K-E-Y-L-O yeah, as a player, for a year. Ask your DM for a spelling. Do and that. It wasn't even Sometimes until, it's important. It wasn't even something that we fucking figured out at the goddamn table. This nope. was a, like, we were in the living room talking, and I was redoing my session notes, mm-hmm. and I asked him for, like, specific spelling, and he <laughs> told me, and I looked at my computer, and I looked at him, and I got so pissed. Just an anagram, baby. That made me so mad. So yeah, don't ever like, it's it's the whole joke of like, you're never going to give a puzzle that's too easy to your players. Mm -hmm. Like, and your players can all be very intelligent people. We play at a table with some very intelligent people, myself excluded. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, puzzle like i was gonna say to that point though find kids puzzles and shit like truly because you're you're gonna overthink it players are gonna overthink it and some people are good at different things like some players might really 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 love like ciphers and puzzles and like lock mechanisms and Mm -hmm. like the ultimate vault which is in like every campaign ever because there's always going to be a heist episode for something and there's always going to be some bullshit locking mechanism um and some players eat that shit up and then there are other people that are like barbarian class in real life and are just like, I want to hit it. I don't care that there's a special key or lock needed for it. I don't even care that it's magically protected. I say we hit it till it opens. And sometimes you'll be surprised at what players do that. I love And you'll be surprised how that works. In real life, my first instinct in game constantly whenever I come across like a puzzle or a lock or anything is like mm. we can just blast this shit yeah. and it'll open eventually. Yep. 
Uh, but yeah, take uh, take notes on movies, on media, on video games, on universes you like. See, I think we're we're almost at time here. But uh, I think one thing that did pop into my head that I, I do want to say, when it comes to really building your world, um, there are oftentimes going to be a lot of story points that come very naturally for you. Like you could be, you can say, okay, like this is the mayor of this city and this is this government official and maybe this guy has this power and these people don't know about it and okay, these, this hero is like the most important and like the most powerful, but like maybe there's this villain that has like the ultimate way to stop. And you're like, oh my God, what if my players like literally fit the key for this puzzle and like played it perfectly? You can do that. You can try to do that, but just don't. Like it's not, yeah. it's going to fuck it up and you're not, it's not going to follow along or it's not going to be executed the way you want it to. Um, write story points we... big and large as, as lore. And what, what I mean by that is, uh, instead of writing the literal connections between things, say, okay, this character has this really intense motivation to do this really fucked up thing, and this character has this really intense motivation to, to I don't know, let this really fucked up thing happen. Mm-hmm. And all it would take is a conversation or a player or a choice. Don't write it in as it's going to happen. Just essentially you want to make your whole story, all your big story points, like little powder kegs. Yeah. And your players are the matches, but they very much choose what to light and what not to light. And when you have the, like your powder written out in this very specific way where like one story point's going to light up and then the rest of them are going to explode and it's going to be this holy shit inception moment. Pants. No. Yes. Make them all individual points because then when somebody ignores something that was attached to something that you really wanted them to follow... No, it wasn't. It was a standalone thing. It was a piece of the lore. It was in the world, and now you can just throw it at the end of another plot point that they're yeah. going to hit later. Be like, be very flexible with your big story points. Um, you can say that, like, I want this riot to happen. I want this war to happen. I want this this person to make this decision. I want this character to die. I want this reveal to happen in this way. All of that is great. Do not write how it's going to happen. You will be disappointed. Yeah, and also, as a DM, don't be afraid to, like, talk to your players if you want them to do a specific thing or right. if you want them to go a specific direction for a specific reason you yeah. don't have to like micromanage but you can no, also you just, just kind of push like, them in that way yeah you know like uh, i like if i want to if i want a player to pick up a really specific set of papers that are like buried underneath all these folders on this table and like i want to i want to make it hard but i want them to be the character to find it you can like say the paper on the very top is something important to them or has a picture on it that they would recognize mm-hmm. Um, or like something falls and they look in just that direction and it catches their eye because of this point that you mentioned earlier, this little fun, quirky character trait. Um, you can do things like that where it's just, you're not necessarily forcing them to do it, but they're going to play the character the way that the character has been played and they're going to naturally find it. And it's going to be like, oh, cool. I found that because my character is like really good at seeing things or hearing things or smelling things or they really know their laboratory equipment and this yeah. is very much off like off place off kilter and i think that's also something of a benefit of like knowing your players as a dm and knowing your dm as a player which yeah. like you're not always going to know them super well and that's mm-hmm. fine but we are a group of people who know each other very well so there's yeah. moments where it, like conversation i'm like hey maddie to robert yeah. Am I about to kill myself if I do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you got, sometimes straight you have those moments where you just got to pop out and be like, this is completely outside of the what's happening right now. If I make this decision, am I going to regret it? Yes. Yes, you will. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to like make an informed decision yep. now. Or even outside of the table, uh, DM to player being like, hey, you know this one thing that you keep doing in game? It's Fucking stop it. It's infuriating. It's okay? frustrating. It's Please pissing stop. me off. 
and I'm going to kill your character if you don't <laughs> stop, which yep. is a conversation um, I've had with him gonna multiple TPK times. You. Like, respectfully, I'm going to wipe the goddamn party, or I'm going to kill you forcibly. Like... But another part And I'm going to let you struggle. <laughs> I'm not even going to do it outright. I'm not going to, like, hand of God smite you. I'm going to let you make some really fucked up decisions, and then you're going to deal with the fucked up consequences. Yeah. And it's also a thing of, like, knowing your players is you know you know exactly what they're going to do. Yeah, because you know if you know the person doing. who's playing the character, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if they're playing a character. They're going to make certain decisions that you know that that person is going to make. Yeah. There are certain decisions from, I think, all of the players at our table that you know as a DM and, like, who you are, yeah. what this person is going to do. Mm-hmm. And there are, that's who they are. And some people are like really, like they have like a really big soft spot for people or they're really nice in real life, but they really want to play an edgy character or they want to be like ruthless and cutthroat. And then they get to like a decision where they have to choose whether or not to save a character or an NPC. And it's like, you know that they know that you know that their character should say, see you later, motherfucker, and let them die or kill them. And because as a person, they're too nice for that, they end up putting their character in a really difficult spot and trying to save that person. Now, that leads to some really cool character moments at the table, though, because it's like maybe there's actually like a little, a tiny nugget of a soul somewhere buried in that Batman-ass character. Yeah. And it's finally coming to the surface. Uh, But yeah, knowing your players and knowing the characters they're playing is definitely important for sure. Like, have conversations about it. I was trying to play an edgy character who, like, didn't give a shit about people and blah, 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 but anytime it, like, actually came to, like letting someone die or letting someone get hurt me as a person felt so shitty and it was one of those things of like i know what i should do and i know the decisions that i should make yeah but i don't really want to make it but i feel really bad because yeah, i don't want bad. anyone to get hurt yeah there have been several times as a dm where somebody had to make a decision like that and i was like at the table listen you know what your character should do I understand that you as a person don't want to do it, but you've committed to this character. I've written this character into my world. Make the fucking decision. Yeah, especially when it's something that's been leading up Mm -hmm. to it. Choose the hard one. Commit. Role play. Yeah. I can't wait for our episode about role playing. I'm I'm so excited about that. That's like my favorite thing to like try and make everyone at our table do little improv games before we start. Yep. Improv games are, they're, they're, they hurt sometimes, but sometimes they're useful too. Sometimes listening to our group <laughs> is very painful. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Well, I do think it is about that time. I think this is our longest episode we've done so far. Holy Somehow, shit. I think we're at an hour and ten. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yep. So, it is about that time. Um, thank you all for joining and listening to mostly me talk about trying to be prepared and writing a world, which I, I know we hit a lot of different points and it wasn't all together, but like Madison said, like her question earlier, um, like how do you, how do you filter through the information? You just, you learn as you go. Yeah. You figure out what you need. It'll be okay. Watch, watch Critical Role. Watch, um, what is it? Is it Daddies and Dungeons or what, is it, what the fuck Dun- is it? Dungeons, Dungeons and Daddies. Daddies. It said the other way. Uh, Dungeons and Daddies. Sure if you look up Daddies and Dungeons, um, you're going to get a very different result. Yeah, like watch Dimension Twenty, and sometimes even like watch like Vox Machina on Amazon. Like yeah. watch just the animated show. 
uh, really pay attention to some of the, the choices that are made in like the animes or the movies you watch and really try and get into the head of like the person There's that so made that decision. There's so many decisions. medias out there that just read like the, the newest Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy movie. Yeah. That reads so much like a And a once you campaign. once you get that knack for seeing those those choices and writing those stories, it'll get a lot easier for you to mm-hmm. pick those points up and then roll them into your own campaign. But in a world full of media, we can't get away from it. We can't escape it. We're all participating in it. Just yeah. pay attention. Look a little further into it. Don't just be like a, a, an audience member. Try and get into the head of the person that wrote it. Be like, holy shit, that was such a cool fucking story point. Yeah. That was such a cool choice. Like, anime, manga, oh my god, they wrote that character so well. And then yeah. this character out of nowhere was the perfect foil. Like, holy fuck, never saw it coming. Rip that shit. <laughs> Rip it. It's so fun to steal. Rip it. We're all learning. It's okay. We're it's your first time. Here. We're gonna get there together. Yeah, it's like when you're learning how to draw. Sometimes you trace pictures before you draw on your own. Yep. Does it make you less of an artist? Sometimes you do both. Yeah. You trace and then you draw something on yeah. your own. You know, I really like the outline of that dog. I'm gonna draw some shit on it. You and know, and then I'm gonna change the color of it, and yep. I'm gonna add a collar. Yep. Well, that's art, isn't it? Right? Creativity. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the whole... It's also a little bit of stealing, which we is... Tried like to end, we tried to end this for almost two minutes now, but oh, something else... I, it's funny, though, <laughs> mentioning the creativity thing, right? It's like the, the you could... In music, there you could never write a melody. There is no melody you could write today that has not been written by somebody oh, at absolutely. some point in history. There's no story that you can tell that has not already been told. Nope. And that's okay. Nope. There are too many people on this planet for you to think that your choices and your story there is There are no unique. original ideas. Nope. And so, fuck being original. Yeah. Take it in your own way. That's what I'm makes it I'm pretty sure, original. like, looking up the other day, there's several other podcasts called Table Talk that talk yeah. about D&D. Yeah, they're like Table Talk and this. I think we're the only one that's straight up Table Talk. Yeah. And we have, we have a pretty cool emblem. Pretty cool yeah. logo. Shout out to Madison. Thank Does you. Does all the back and work. I it myself. Okay, we're going to try and say goodbye again. Thank you all, again, for the second time, for coming in and listening and talking about world building. Um... DMing, etc. We're going to do hopefully character creation next time. I think at this point we'll just bring in our own video stuff. Yeah. We'll see you next Thursday. We don't know what it'll be about yet. No. But maybe. Maybe it'll be character creation. Maybe hopefully. it'll be something different. Hopefully. It'll be in for a treat. Maybe we just go AWOL and do something completely new. That's scary. <laughs> see you next Thursday. Goodbye. Bye.